Well, our announcements are again further proof that we have some unhinged staff. I don't know what to tell you. But glad that we're able to come together this morning. And if you're visiting with us this morning, I just wanted to introduce myself. My name is Chris Massey. I'm one of the pastors here at Family Life Church. And we're so glad that you came to worship with us this morning. And uh, we have a great treat for you this morning. I mean, not that it's not a treat when I preach. I think that's awesome. But uh, we have somebody else who's going to be even more treatier. If, I, I don't know. More treatier. <laughs> but not treasonous. That's so different. But no, we're so excited this morning uh, to have Pastor Aaron Holt uh, from Lead the Generation to come in this weekend. Uh, he spent some time last night meeting with our leaders uh, in the, uh, the Life Center. We just had a great time in hearing his heart, really poured out some incredible wisdom uh, for our leadership last night. I was really excited to hear the word that he has for us this morning. And, and I just hope it's an encouragement to you. It's a challenge to you. But will we welcome Pastor Aaron Holt to the stage. Thank you for coming. Good morning, family life. Good morning, good morning. How are you? Come on, act like you love me even if you don't know me. <laughs> Woo! Look at your neighbor real quick. Talk to your neighbor. Say, neighbor. Now, you got to talk to him like you like them. You chose to sit next to him. Say, neighbor. You look good today. Mm, come on. All right. That feels good, doesn't it? Hey, look at Look at your other neighbor, the one you completely ignored a moment ago, who's slightly offended with you now. Say, other neighbor, you're my second choice. <laughs> I, I hope if you're married, you chose, chose, chose wisely the first time. It could be, it could be a long afternoon. Well, I, I'm so glad to be able to have spent the weekend with you and, and uh, last evening and then first service this morning and then this one as well. And uh, as, as Pastor Chris mentioned, my name is Aaron. I'm from Pittsburgh. And uh, so it wasn't a long drive for me at all. My, my wife, Julie, was going to join me, and then we had a last-minute change of plans yesterday. And uh, so I'm going to introduce my family to you by way of picture. So uh, amazing me. That's my family right there. That's the Holt family. I'm the really, really good-looking bald guy in the middle, um, just in case you couldn't figure out where I was. And, uh, um, and I, I, want, I just want you to know I think your pastor has the world's best haircut that I have ever seen. I just, yeah. <laughs> It's good. It's a good-looking head right there. It's a good-looking head. I, I, like we have to, us guys have to encourage one another. So I said to him in the first service, I'm going to say this again, God only made a few perfect heads. Everyone else got hair. <laughs> right? We just, we got to, you, know, uh, you know, so, okay, we'll move on. That's, that's me. Uh, that's my wife there uh, beside me. My, um, and then beside her is my two daughters, Emma, who's a sophomore in college, and Ellie, who's a junior in high school. And then on the other side is my son and my daughter-in-law, Caleb and Jess. My son is uh, on staff at Allison Park Church, which is our home church uh, in Pittsburgh, where we base our ministry out of. Uh, and then, then brand new to the family just about five months ago is this little one right here, our very first granddaughter. Woo! Come on. Yes, grandparent love, right? So my wife and I are so excited. That is Heather James. She loves Jesus already. Can't you, can't you see it? Right? There it is. And... Um, so, yes, our, our son and daughter-in-law brought us our first grandchild, so we're so excited about that. Um, absent from all family pictures by, by mandate of my wife is the beloved family dog. Any dog lovers? We got any dog lovers at all? Not Like three? Okay, cool. I, by dog, I mean dog over 50 pounds. If your dog's not over 50 pounds, that's not a dog. Sorry. Sorry. You got, you got like that one of those old dogs in the purse that you carry around with you. That's a rat cat. That's not a dog. No one likes cats. Not even God likes cats, right? I'm just, just saying to all the cat lovers, we're getting along already. Um, but, uh, no, that's, that's a little bit about our family. And um, as, as Pastor mentioned, I, I travel full-time as an evangelist and have done that for the last five years. And before that, um, my wife and I were student pastors for about 20 years here in Pennsylvania, out in Reading, Pennsylvania, and then a little bit in Pittsburgh as well. And... Um, we, uh, our evangelistic ministry is called Lead the Generation, and uh, we, we got a website. You can check that out if you want, leadthegeneration.com. But we, uh, we, we did student ministry for a long time. How many of you love the next generation of, of kids and youth, right? I mean, they are the, not just the future of our church, but the present as well. And so we have a huge heart. We do a lot of leadership development uh, for young people, for adults who work with kids and who work with students. Uh, travel and speak to a lot of teenagers on an, uh, on an annual basis. That's where I was at last weekend at a youth retreat. Next weekend I'll be at a youth retreat as well. And uh, so we love students. And one of the things that, um, that broke our heart when we first started to launch our ministry, Lead the Generation, is uh, we discovered uh, that in the Assemblies of God, uh, the denomination that this church is a part of, is, and, um, 
is uh, over 50% of churches across our country uh, have no weekly youth ministry of any kind. And I, I was shocked by that because I had never known a church uh, that didn't have that. I did, that just, and it broke a heart. And then to, to move even further, uh, only about 15 to 20% of our churches have youth ministry with a full-time youth pastor on staff like you have here. Right, and so what a blessing! You're 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 an amazing church um, that that you're able to have that. And if you're a parent of a teenager, then you you got something to be really grateful for because there's so many churches that don't have that. And so God has has put it on our heart as a ministry to come alongside of smaller churches across the country uh, and to help them plant youth ministry if they don't have it. And so over the next five years, we're believing God that we're going to be able to plant over a thousand youth ministries across the nation. Uh, in our small churches all over the place. Uh, one of the things that we'll do with that, uh, to help do that, is uh, we've, we've had for about six years now, we've had an annual conference that we do that we just call Lead the Generation. Um, and because we want to resource and equip even more uh, churches, we've decided for the first time ever, this is a huge step of faith for us, we've decided for the first time ever this year we'll make that conference uh, free for the very first time. We won't even charge for it online or in person. Um, uh, actually, last, the last two years we've just been online because of COVID. And uh, last year uh, was just amazing what God did. We, we were able to resource and equip youth ministry in over 29 countries uh, because we were online. And so God's doing some great things. I know that you're all, you're, you're kind of a, hopefully a new part of our Lead the Gen fam, as we like to call it. You can go to the website, check it out. Um, we're believing for some miracles to help us do all the things that are in our heart to do. But that's a little bit about what we do. But I'm more excited to, to share a message with you that God put on my heart. Um, pastor asked me if I would partner with the end of the sermon series that he kicked off the new year uh, with here called Radical Year. So grab your Bible if you would. Turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 14. I want to read this text to you first and then we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us a little bit th uh, through this narrative, this story that I'm, I'm sure many of you are probably familiar with. But if not, you will be in a moment. So Matthew chapter 14, I'm going to start reading in verse 22. You can Grab that in your Bible, on your device, or uh, we're going to have the, the scripture on the screens as well. So verse 22, uh, follow along with me. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed the crowd, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there all alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from Land One, one uh, version of the story says the boat was already two or three miles across the lake. Right? Um, the boat was considerable distance from land, but it was buffeted by the wind and the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, that would be sometime between three and six in the morning, uh, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. He's walking on water. When Jesus saw him walking on the, on the lake, when, when the disciples, excuse me, saw Jesus walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. And then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind... He was afraid. He began to sink. He cried, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught Peter. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Last verse. Uh, and then they climbed into the boat. The wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. So I, I mentioned a moment ago, I, I travel full-time as an evangelist. I had this crazy experience uh, last year. I, was, uh, I had three different bookings in a row. And that meant three different hotel stays in a row. And by the time I got to the end of the week and the third hotel and I'm checking in and I'm, I'm kind of tired. And I don't know about you, but I get a little grouchy when I get tired. Anybody? Anybody at all? Look at your neighbor and just say, he's talking about you right now. That's, that, that's you. And, um, and uh, so I, I'm, I walk into the hotel. Uh, this is in a state where the mask mandate was still in effect. And so I got my mask on and the, the hotel clerk has his mask on. And they got like the plexiglass thing, you know, whatever that was for and uh, and so I I <laughs> yeah, right and so I, I walk in and uh, the guy says you checking in I'm like yeah I'm checking in he's like what's your name I said well my name's Aaron I said but uh, I said the reservation is probably under the name Ryan 
because uh, Ryan is, was the one who booked me. I'm coming in to speak at one of his events, and so he booked a hotel room for me. And so he's typing away, typing away, typing away, typing away, typing away, typing away. What he's typing, I have no idea at this point because I'm thinking this isn't that hard. But, but then he finally says, oh, okay, I got it. I got your reservation here. Uh, it's all good. We got a room for you. I got a key card here for you. Uh, he's like, I just need you to give me your credit card so you can pay for the room. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, I'm actually not paying for the room. I'm, I'm, Ryan is paying for the room. That's why he booked, you know, the room and everything. And uh, the guy says to me, well, you didn't tell me that. And I'm like, oh, uh, uh, Ryan's paying for the room. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm sorry. He's like, he's like, yeah, but it's too late now. I'm like, well, what, I'm so, what do you mean it's too late? He was like, you should have told me that whenever you first walked in. And I'm like, I'm sorry, man. I'm trying to be nice, but like, like you get in those situations where you start to get squeezed, right? And you feel the Jesus just being squeezed out of you, but the wrong direction, right? And so, like, I'm trying to be nice to this guy, and I'm like, "Hey, man, listen, I'm, I didn't know I should have told you that up front." He's like, "Yeah, it should have been the first thing that you told me." And I'm like, "My bad, but I'm not paying for the room. Ryan's paying for the room." He's like, "No, no, no, you don't understand. It's too late now." I've already gone past that screen on my computer. Ryan's credit card number is now deleted in my system. So it's on you now. You messed up. You got to pay for the room. I'm, like, I'm starting to like, feel something else rising up inside of me now. And, I, and so I'm, I'm like, hey, listen, dude. I, 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 and I, I'm, I'm kind of stammering because I don't even know what to say. right? And it, like, it's bad enough to have bad customer service. But when you have a mask on too, it's just like everything's extra irritating. And, and I don't, I, when you get in situations like this, have you ever said something that the moment you said it, you thought, I should not have said that. That probably wasn't the right thing to say. Anyone at all? All the wives are elbowing their husbands right now. We all know what's happening. And, and so I, I said to the dude, I shouldn't have said it. I said to the dude, I was like, man, it sounds like what you're saying to me is that it's my fault that you pressed the wrong button on your computer. Now, now it's on. Now it's on like Donkey Kong right now. Like it's like we're going, we're going, we're going at it now. And he he looks at me. He was like, he's like, man, I don't know who you are. I don't know who Ryan is. I never met Ryan. Do you know who Ryan is? You're talking about this dude named Ryan who's paying for your hotel room. He's like, why don't you call your friend Ryan on the phone and get his credit card number so that he can pay for the room? I'm like, I will pay. I'll call Ryan right now. And I, and I did, and I called him, and I'm on I'm speakerphone. I'm like, Ryan, we need your credit card number. He's like, I already gave him my credit card number. What's the problem? I'm like, I don't know. Somehow, some way, your number got lost in the system. <laughs> I'm saying this right in front of the guy. Okay, we clear it up. It's all over. He's getting ready to slide the key card across from me, and I cannot resist the temptation to just, like, Mm, I want to stick it to this guy. And so I said to this guy, I've never done this before. I'm not even proud of this moment. I got to be honest. I said to the guy, I'm like, like, I could have just let it go. I could have just taken the key card and gone to my room. I said to the guy, so just to confirm all of this trouble, this was all my fault. <laughs> and he, he looked up and he's like, confirmed. <laughs> I'm like... No, you did not. Like, I felt the spirit of karate kid coming over. My legs started to lift up. I'm thinking, like, I'm going through that plexiglass. Like, I mean, it's, it's happening, right? And I just, I grabbed the car, and I just, like, went to the room. I'm so mad, right? And then an hour later, I leave, and I go speak at this thing. You know, I act like a really good preacher, a great Christian at this time, right? Then I come back, and as I'm pulling back into the hotel, I'm so tired, and, and, and I've been in three different hotels. I'm, as I'm walking into the hotel, I'm thinking to myself, I, I can't remember my room number. And, you know, they don't put it on the key card anymore, right? And so now, now I'm thinking to myself, if I have to talk to Mr. Confirmed, once you know it, he's like right there. I walk in, and, he, and, and I, I'm, I'm like, because mm, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, I will, I will try this key card in every room in this hotel if I have to. I am not talking to that dude again. And, and so as soon as I walk in, he's like, he's like, hey, 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 man, hey, can you come here for a second? And I'm thinking like, oh, my God, like this guy won't let it rest. And, and, and then I walk over, and I'm like, I'm like hey. And he's like, he's like, dude, he's like, I just wanted to apologize for, for this afternoon. He's like, I, I, I didn't treat you very kindly. I could have handled that situation a lot better. Everything inside of me was resisting the urge to just simply say, confirmed. 
right? I mean, why not? I mean, no, I just, you know, and I just, I, 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 little, God just was doing a work in my heart. I had a little more grace, and he helped me figure out my room number. And as, as I'm, and later that night, as I'm, like, thinking about the whole situation, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm feeling kind of bad, and I'm thinking to myself, like, why, why did I do that? Like, I, I already knew the answer to the question that I, like, I asked him just to confirm, like, like, as if, the, as if it's going to change at this point, right? And then, and then, and I realized, like, we do this in life a lot, don't we? Like, all the parents, like, you, if you're a parent of a teenager or a child, like, you have your kid at times ask you questions, and you're thinking to yourself, I know that you already know the answer to this question. Why are you asking me? Like, no, you can't stay up past your bedtime. Don't ask. Like, yes, you should brush your teeth every morning. Like, this is just a basic thing, right? But as I'm thinking about it, I felt like the Holy Spirit, he just kind of, like, kind of pricked me in my heart, and he was just like, he's like, Aaron, you do that to me all the time. I'm like, whoa, 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 what you talking about? Like, what are you talking He's just like, you, 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 you ask all kinds of questions that have already been clearly stated what the answer is in my word. And then I started to think about it. I was like, well, that's true. Like, you know, sometimes I'm like, God, do you, do you know, you really want me to pray? Yeah. God, you really want me to love my neighbor? Confirmed. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. You really want me to give and be generous and tithe and be faithful to my local church? Mm, yeah, confirmed. Like, you know, it's there, right? Then I realized, and you'll see it here in this story in a moment, that the disciples actually did this to Jesus. Oftentimes, you know, they'd live with him for years. They watched him do all these miracles, and yet they still ask questions that I think Jesus is like, really? Like, you're really going to ask me that question? So I, I want to zoom out just for a second, and then we're going to go right back into the section of Scripture we read. But I want to zoom out, and I want you to see Matthew chapter 14 in its, in its context and in its totality. And I want to point out one thing to you, even before we, we, we kind of go there and, and kind of overview Matthew 14. The disciples have been with Jesus for probably about a year and a half to two years now. They've been traveling with him whenever this story takes place. During that time, they have personally witnessed Jesus perform signs and wonders. If you, if you went back through the Gospels and you counted them all up and you put them in chronological order, you, you'd probably somewhere around 17 or 18 miracles the disciples have seen take place at this point. They've watched Jesus open blind eyes. They've watched Jesus open deaf ears. They've, they've experienced Jesus at this point raise a young girl from the dead. So they've seen and experienced all of this, yet there are still moments where Jesus will give them an instruction and they kind of have this, like, Jesus, just to confirm, right? Here, so, so we go to Matthew 14 now. At the beginning of the chapter, Jesus gets bad news that his cousin, John the Baptist, an evangelist during that time frame, has not only been captured but now has been beheaded. Jesus kind of wants to pull away from the crowd. He wants to have some alone time to kind of process what's going on here. I, I love how the, the Bible brings about the humanity of even Christ right to the forefront. Because Jesus, fully God, yes, but also fully man, and, and when he suffers loss, he wants to grieve like a man would. And so that's what he wants to do at the beginning of Matthew 14. Yet a large crowd of people discover where he's at, and they gather around him, and Jesus, having compassion on them, begins to speak and preach and teach to them all day long. The text says early in Matthew 14 that it's about 5,000 people. We understand from Jewish culture that, that probably referred to 5,000 men, and so it didn't include all of the wives and children. So it's probably closer to 10,000 people. Jesus is teaching and preaching. The disciples slide up to him at one point during a little break, and they're like, Jesus, you should send all the people away. You've been here a long time. These people are hungry. Let them go to a neighboring town to get something to eat. And Jesus says, you feed them. So here, here's the moment. Here's the moment. Jesus says, you feed them. And, and, and here's how I see it. Um, Jesus, all we have is like, like, a, a, like, like five loaves and two fish, right? So Jesus, like, all we have is, like, one eight-piece chicken nugget meal from Chick-fil-A. And we only have one Chick-fil-A sauce, so that's not even going to last for the eight nuggets. Like, like, Jesus, just to confirm, you want us to feed the crowd. Jesus is like, yeah, confirm. Feed them. Give me those nuggets. I'm going to bless that, and we're going to send that out there. The disciples do this. They do this all the time. Jesus, they send them out. Now miracle number 18 has taken place. They were a part of miracle number 18. Jesus then says to them, get in the boat, cross the lake, I'll catch up with you later. And he goes up to a mountainside by himself to pray. How do the disciples think Jesus is going to catch up to them? They are experienced fishermen. There's 12 of them in a boat, and Jesus says, I'll, I'll roll up on you later. And then the text says that when Jesus begins walking on water in the middle of the night, 
two to three miles from shore, their initial reaction to Jesus is one of, it's a ghost. <laughs> like, Jesus, just to confirm, it's you walking on water? And, and, you know, he says, yes, it's me. Take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. They're terrified. I mean, I would think at this point, now the disciples are witnessing miracle number 19, two years with Jesus, and they're still like, is that really you, Jesus? I mean, I mean, there might be a human explanation to this because how many of you know that fear will make you do like crazy things? Fear makes you just kind of think differently. This is the reason why I own a big dog because I'm afraid, I'm still afraid of the dark as a 48-year-old dude. And I'm, just, and I'm just like, the big dog will protect me, right? And the little dogs won't do it and cats don't care. And so, so I, I, when my wife and I were first married, when we, uh, our first, first year of marriage, we, we lived down, on, we lived in the north side on, in Pittsburgh, right in the city. We had a little second floor apartment. And um, so I remember at some point during that, that first year of marriage living there, I wake up in the middle of the night. My wife is over, and she's on this side of the bed. I wake up in the middle of the night, and I hear her over there, and it sounds like this. She's, she says, she's like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And she's just saying the name of Jesus over and over again. And, and so initially, I'm thinking to myself, I'm a newlywed, so I'm thinking to myself, oh, my goodness. This woman is so spiritual. She prays in her sleep. I can't live up to this expectation, God. Like, I just... <laughs> then I realized, like, she's afraid of something. And so, and so I just, I kind of, like, roll my head over, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, hey, I touch her on the shoulder. I'm like, hey, baby, what's, what's, what's going on? What's wrong? And, and, and she whispers back to me, and she's like, there's a man. There's a man. There's a man in the room. There's a man in the room. And, and I'm still partially asleep. I'm also newlywed. And so I, my response to her is like, I know, baby. I'm right here. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, no, no, there's another man in the room. And I'm, again, I'm a newlywed. And so I'm like, baby, why is there another man in the room? That's not how marriage is supposed to work. Like, I, you know, and she's just like, then she whisper yells at me. All the women are really good at that. She's like, she's like, no, there's another man in the room. At this point, I'm awake. And I'm like, oh, no, there's another man in the room. I got to be the man right now and do something about the other man in the room right now. And then I'm afraid, and so I grab the sheets and put them on my head. I'm like, Jesus, 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 because I'm thinking, like, if it worked for her, right, at which point she wakes up, and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, there's a man, there's a man, there's a man in the room. She's like, there's no other man in the room. I was having a bad dream. There's not even one man in the room, apparently. <laughs> I've, I've never let her live that down. She has not let me live that down either. Uh, now we own big dogs to take care of all of these issues in our marriage. I mean, fear will make you do crazy things, so, and the disciples are afraid. They're in the middle of a storm. Jesus is walking on water. He says, it's me and Peter. I'm, I'm in, if you're following along now, I'm in verse 28. Peter says this, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come walk on water with you. Jesus, just to confirm, it's really you. Right? Now, now, this is interesting because Peter is, is, is kind of like the, the leader of the disciples, so to speak, like, like the self-appointed leader of the disciples, probably was older than most of them. Most of them were probably like, like, like 14, 15, 16 years old. Peter is maybe closer to 20. Some scholars say that he's probably even married at this point, right? So he's kind of like the self-appointed leader of the crew. And so Peter takes it upon himself, like, guys, I got this. It's cool. I got this. Jesus, if it's really you... Tell me to walk on water. Now, here's what I'm thinking. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking this. I'm thinking, Peter, what are you doing? Like, there's so many. You want to do an identity check on Jesus. There's so many other questions that you could have asked in order to make sure that it was really Jesus. Rather than putting yourself out there like, like Jesus, if it's really you, what's your last name? Right? Just, I mean, I just, right? And so, so when Peter says to Jesus, tell me to walk on water, it, it doesn't explicitly say this in the text, but I just wonder what Jesus is thinking in this moment. I, I just wonder if Jesus, when he hears Peter say this, he's thinking like, oh, oh, wow, okay, Peter, you're different. That's different. I mean, that's one way for you to prove who I really am is for you to walk on water. For you to prove who I am, you're going to do what I'm going to do. Interesting. To use a cultural term that, that some of you might be familiar with, I, I, I almost wonder whether Jesus is in, the, in this moment, when Peter asked this question, is, is thinking something like, oh, Peter, you, you're built different, Peter. <laughs> like, you're built different. There's just something different about you. There's something different about the way that you're thinking right now. And that's what I want to talk about tonight, I, I, this morning. I want to talk about being built different. And I want to pull very quickly, in the last couple of minutes we have left here, I want to pull three things out of the text, three different areas in your life and my life where we should be 
built differently. Here's, here's number one. If you're taking notes, you're following along, uh, you're watching home online. Here, here's point number one. We're built to believe differently. We're built to believe differently. Peter is one of 12 dudes in the boat, but apparently he's the only one who believes differently about the situation than all of his friends. Now think about this for a second. He's the only one who steps up to ask Jesus the question, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to walk on water. So there's a different belief moment here for Peter than the rest of the dudes. Those dudes scared of what they think might be a ghost. Those dudes hanging on to the boat for dear life. Those dudes like, I'm comfortable staying right here. Peter, on the other hand, sees Jesus doing something. And maybe at this point, in the middle of miracle number 19, Peter's thinking to himself, I'm tired of just sitting back watching you do all the miracles. I want to be a part. I want to be like you. I want to do what you're doing, Jesus. If it's really you, then tell me to come walk on the water like you. That takes a different belief system, doesn't it? And apparently Peter's the only one that has it because the other 11 dudes were fine. They 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 never walked on the water. Peter's the only one. There's something that Peter sees in this situation, and there's something that Jesus sees in Peter that's radically different from the rest of the disciples. The rest of the disciples must have been sitting there in the boat saying, well, I can't do that. Well, I can't walk on water. Well, I'm not like that. Well, I don't have enough faith to do that. Well, I don't have enough courage to do that. Well, I could never jump out of this boat like that. I can't do that. Peter, on the other hand, sees something different. One one group of people thinking at a very average level. One group of people thinking about everything that they cannot do, everything that they are not. One dude named Peter thinking about what he is or what he can be if he follows in Jesus' footsteps. You know, in the the, the Bible, there's there's lots of references, there's lots of ways that the Bible describes believers, Christians, those who are disciples of Christ, those who follow Christ. There's lots of different words that the Bible uses to describe you and me. Let me first highlight all the words that you will never find in the Bible when the Bible and the writers of the Bible are talking about you or talking about me. There's nowhere in here where you will see the writers of Scripture describing you and I with words like average, plain, normal, par, subpar, same old, same old, business as usual type people, people that blend into their culture, people that just kind of fit into whatever environment that they're in. Actually, you see the exact opposite when you read the Scripture. You you see the writers of Scripture, when referring to you and I, they refer to us with words like this. Salt, light, light of the world, difference makers, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a peculiar people. The writers, they, they say things to us like this. You're blessed. You're highly favored. You're anointed. You're the head, not the tail. You're above, never below. Everything about Scripture says that you and I should be just like Peter and we should be built to believe differently. Not only believe differently about the miracles of Jesus Christ, but also believe differently about who we are in Christ. Eleven dudes, they haven't gotten there yet. Peter's like, I just see it different. I just believe different about this situation. This is important for you. This is important for you. Because if you believe about yourself the way that the 11 dudes did, then you stay in the boat in every area of your life. Think of it this way for a second. You will always behave in a way that is in alignment with what you believe. That's just how life works. I I don't even need a Bible to proof text that to you. That's just true of life in general. So if you believe sitting in the boat is the right thing for you, and you say about yourself, I could never do that. I, I could never start that business. I, I, I could never step out in faith in that way in my life. I, I, I could never finish my degree and, 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 and take the next step in my life. Uh, I, I could never resolve that relationship and, and see it restored. I can't, I can't do that. Nope, no, no. I could, I could never see the miraculous happen in my life. Then you'll be like the 11 who sat in the boat. But the moment you begin to believe of yourself what God has spoken over you in his word, then you become like Peter, one who's built to believe differently, and then life begins to be seen by you in a very different light than, than all the other dudes. And so now, now you're sitting here saying, I, I'm called. 
I'm blessed. I'm anointed. I'm highly favored. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm a child of the Most High King. There's something different on me, something different in me. I believe differently. I'm built to believe differently. You know, you know what my wife and I call us? We talked about this yesterday in the, in the, in the leadership, in the roundtable yesterday. My wife and I, we, we call this getting a word from the word and speaking it over our life. Because, because there, there is a, listen, listen, listen to me. There is a battle in your life from the enemy trying to convince you in your thinking of who you're not and who you will never be. And if the devil can convince you to always see yourself as subpar, as lower of having no value, then he can keep you trapped in all the boats in your life and you never experience the signs and wonders. You never experience what it's like to walk on water like Peter did. So my wife and I said, man, I got to get a word from the word and I got to speak it over my life and I got to declare it over my life and I got to prophesy it over my life. And so when I'm feeling insecure in an area, when I'm feeling doubt in an area, when I'm feeling like I could never measure up in an area, when I'm feeling like I'll never be good enough, I get a word from the word and I speak that over my life and I prophesy it and I declare it. My, my wife, this is how my wife does it. She takes it and writes it down on a post-it note and she slaps it all over the bathroom walls and all over the mirror. It's like a revival in my bathroom every time I go in there. I wake up in the morning and I just want to do my hair. And it's, don't laugh at that. It, this is hard work. This is, this is you, you, I spend more money on a hair product. Okay, forget it. I'm sorry. Um, you you, you got to choose to believe what, what God's word said. Hey, just to confirm Jesus, I'm the head, not the tail. Confirmed. Just to believe I'm above. Just to confirm I'm above, never below. Confirm. Just to believe you, you see me as salt and light. Some of you need a Holy Ghost brainwashing in the way you see yourself. Because you've always saw yourself as someone who's just going to sit in the back of the boat rather than seeing yourself the way that God sees you and the way that God has described you. Peter's built to believe differently. Next point, almost done. Real, we're, these last two will go really quick. Peter's built to believe differently. Number two, Peter's built to behave differently. Peter's built to behave differently. Well, let me go back to the texture real quick. Verse 28, Lord, if it's you, tell me to walk, to come to you on the water. Verse 29, Jesus says one word, come. Okay, let's just be real pragmatic here for a second. If I'm Peter... And I'm getting ready to jump out of a boat three miles from shore in the middle of the night in stormy water. And I'm getting ready to try to walk on water, something that I've never done before in my life. Jesus, I'm going to need a little more information than just one word, come. I mean, that's like the equivalent of like when you send your friend or your kid a long text message with lots of questions and you want lots of detailed answers to the questions. And they hit you back with like a thumbs up emoji. And you're like like you know I mean just serious like 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 or or they have read receipts turned on and so that you know they read it but they left you on read they didn't even respond at all you're like are you kidding me like I'm just thinking like like Jesus can I is there like um is there like a YouTube channel I can go to on water walking here can I google this do I need my swimmies before I jump out of the Jesus just says come now here's what's interesting and we don't have time to go there, but I'll just reference it. If you scroll back 10 chapters to Matthew chapter 4, Peter is standing along the shore with his nets. He's a fisherman. Jesus comes walking along, and he says this to Peter and his brother. He says, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So, he, so, so he's given Peter a little more information to work with there. Not much, but he's given Peter some guaranteed outcomes. He's saying, if you follow me, I will make you something. I'll make you a fisher of men. Ten chapters later, two years later, I think Jesus has expected Peter's faith to have grown up a little bit. And now Jesus expects Peter to do something he's never done before, jumping out of a boat, out of a safe place, out of a secure place, right? And walk on water with just one word, come. See, here's, here's my question to you and the question that I wrestle with in my own heart. In your life, when it's time, for you to jump out of the boat, however the Holy Spirit wants to interpret that in, in your current situation, in your life, when, when it's time for you to jump out of the boat, is Jesus come enough for you? If that's all you get, friend, if he just gives you one word, if he just says come, if he just says right now, it's time, come, 
Is that enough for you? See, we, li- we live in a world where we want guaranteed outcomes, where we want promises fulfilled, where, where we, want, we want, you know, one-year and three-year and five-year plans and strategic goals to be laid out so we can kind of measure the metrics along the way and we can make sure that we're hitting all the benchmarks and everything's good. And, there, and, and that, nothing's wrong with any of that, but there are also times in your life and there are times even in the, even, I'll, I'll just say this even prophetically, in this house here, fam- the Family Life House, there are times when you as a church, as a faith community, will be faced with the opportunity that Jesus presents for you to jump out of the boat and he's only going to give you one word. It's just going to become. Here's what I want to remind you of. Here's what my wife and I have had to deal with in our own lives over and over and over again. When, five years ago when we stepped out of our boat, 20 years of being on staff at a church, health insurance and paychecks and everything guaranteed, guaranteed promises. And When we stepped out of the boat, we just had one word, come. And here's, here's what we have leaned on for five years now, but really for much longer in our lives. What is said, the word that is said, is far less important than who said it. I don't have to understand. If, if you're Peter and you're built to believe differently and behave differently, I don't have to understand how to walk on the water. Je- Jesus never told Peter, you need to learn how to walk on water. Jesus told Peter, you're only responsible to jump out of the boat. I'll take care of everything else in your life. That's why I'm saying what he said doesn't matter as much as who said it. So Jesus, if you say it in my life, Jesus, if you say it in this house, Jesus, if you say it about Family Life Church right here in Hermit, if you say it, then sign us up as water walkers and boat jumpers and people who put all of our faith in hope in who said it, not what was said. You understand that that is the faith journey of of every single sermon your pastor has preached during this sermon series called Radical Year. I, I listened to some of them. Every one of them, none of what they did made sense in the practical way. They just were like, okay, Abraham, you want me to? Okay, cool, we'll pack it up, we'll go. Oh, I mean, that is true of the entire Bible. Noah, okay, cool, you want me to build a boat? I don't even know what that is, but cool, I'll just work on it. Right, David, sure, you just want me to knock down that nine-foot giant with a little stone got it all right let's go here we go mary teenage girl oh you want me to give birth to the son of god cool sign me up sounds fun let's do it i'm just, I'm just a jesus doesn't expect you to know how to walk on water he just wants you to respond to his come his invitation he doesn't want you to put your faith in your ability to walk on water he wants you to put your faith in him and this, this is really the last point. Chip, Chip, come on up and, and play something nice. Make me sound super spiritual, right? <laughs> Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water. He came towards Jesus. But when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid. He began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And then Jesus said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? So Peter gets out of the boat. He's built to believe differently. He steps out onto the water because he's built to behave differently. And, in, and the text says that he's walking toward Jesus. We don't know how many steps that exactly is, but, but the text would imply that when he's walking towards Jesus that he's got his eyes locked on Jesus, right? Because Jesus is the source of our faith. It's the source of Peter's faith. Peter's faith isn't put in his ability to walk on water. He's put, his faith is in Jesus. And then the text says that Peter's, he sees the wind and waves. So apparently he, he loses focus on Jesus and he starts to see all the circumstances and he gets distracted and then he begins to sink. And when he begins to sink, he cries out to Jesus, smart move, Peter. But then, then Jesus, it seems like Jesus kind of is mad at him or upset because he says, you have little faith, why did you doubt? He's kind of, you know, to use a phrase that young people use, he's like throwing all kinds of shade at Peter, Right? And I, I just kind of, I, when I see that initially, I'm thinking to myself, really, Jesus? Like, Peter's the only dude who jumped out of the boat. There's a, like, rebuke the other 11 dudes that are still sitting there holding on. Like, why are you upset with Peter? But when you study the text, at first glance, it feels that way. But when you get into the text and you, and you even read some, some commentators and some scholars on it, Scholars basically say that what Jesus is really communicating to Peter, and I'll just translate it and put it into a way that maybe might make more sense for you. Jesus is saying, Peter, you're built to battle differently. That's point number three. You're built to battle differently. You battle with your faith. And Peter, the same faith that you needed 
the level of faith that you needed to, to jump out of the boat is the level of faith that you're going to have to sustain in order to walk on water. In Matthew chapter 4, Peter needed one level of faith in order to drop his nets and follow after Jesus. And then in Matthew chapter 14, now Jesus is saying, Peter, there's another level of faith that you're going to need to jump out of the boat. And then at the end of the text, I think Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, now that you've jumped out of the boat, I want you to stay at this faith level. That's what you're going to need in order to sustain it. This, this is so important because you and I, when we battle, when we battle for the sake of the kingdom of God, we battle differently than the world does. We, we, we battle with our faith. We battle with our generosity. We battle with our love. We battle with our grace. We battle with our care. We battle with a, with a step of faith that we take. That's how we battle. And, and, and see, here's the truth for you and I, young person, and, and every person in the room. If the devil of your soul, if the enemy of your soul can't keep you in the boat, then the moment you take a step of faith, he'll do everything he can to distract you to try to cause you to put your faith in everything else other than in Jesus. And Jesus basically says, no, 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 Peter, you trust me. That's it. Let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me close with one quick story. I didn't share this in the first service. I just feel led to share it in this one. Let me close with one quick story of, of what this looked like in my life. I was 18 years old, and I jumped out of the boat, and I went on a missions trip to Siberia, Krasnoyark, Siberia. And... Um, we were, we were pretty, it was a pretty large group of people from a bunch of different churches came together. It was about 50 of us. And one day, they split us up into small groups, like teams of two and three. And so I'm 18 years old, and I end up getting put in charge of my little team, which was just overwhelming. I was so insecure. I was nervous. We go into one of the Siberian schools, and we, we would go from classroom to classroom. We went to this one school all day long, classroom to classroom, and we're just, we're sharing Jesus. We're sharing the gospel message in this school. I mean, this is miraculous because this, this was the early 90s. And so this was right after communism had fallen. We were some of the, uh, probably some of the first missionaries in that first year to, to ever be able to go. And we're preaching the gospel to kids that had never heard the gospel before. This is, is an amazing moment. So we got to our last classroom. We shared the gospel. And I'm thinking like, whew, we did it. Man, did I ever jump out of the boat, you know. And, and this, the teacher of that classroom walks up to us as soon as we're done. And she says, come with me. And I'm thinking, oh, no, we're in trouble. What do we do? She takes us to another classroom. And there's this young girl sitting in a corner. Um, and she said, that girl's name is Olga. She has major physical infirmities in her back. She has some form of scoliosis. This is through a translator. And, um, and she said, um, and if you, listen to this. I'm 18. Just remember this. She says to me, she says, if you really believe everything that you just taught my students, then go heal that girl. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I mean, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, you know, you want to talk about Peter sinking and being like, Lord, help. I am sinking fast. And I'm like, ah. and but, but she didn't really give us an option. It was just like, go do it. And so we, we walked over there and we started praying with this girl. And, I mean, I'm stepping out in faith. And the teacher is standing there. She's got her arms crossed. She's, like, watching us the whole time. Like, well, let's just see what happens here. And, you know, and, and so we just start praying. I don't know what to do. And I just, we just start, we lay hands on this girl. We start praying for her. And, and, and within just really, this is within a couple seconds of us starting to pray, you just felt, boom, you just felt the power of God just fall right there in that moment. This, this girl starts, she starts crying. The girl that we're praying for. I look up and the teacher is now crying. I'm just thinking, what is going on here? And, and, and so we get done praying. And the girl, she says, through, again, through an interpreter, she says, when you, when you laid hands on me and started praying for me, I felt this warm sensation come all the way through my body and all the way down through my back. And I think the God that you prayed to did something. I think he healed me. And I, I think I should try to stand up right now. I did not have that much faith. I'm just going to be real. I did not have that much faith. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, I'm like, no, it's all right. You can just stay right there. It's, just, it's all good. And that warm feeling, that was me rubbing your back whenever I was praying for you. I'm just, come on, let's just be real. I mean, some, you know, like, you know, God does it in spite of us so many times. And this girl, she's like, no, I'm going to stand up. And she stands up to her feet. She, she wasn't completely healed, but she, like, she, she still had a little bit of issue. But like, like God had done an incredible work. The teacher's bawling their eyes out. And all I'm thinking is just like, oh, my goodness, God, this is what it's like in our lives to step out of the boat and not put our faith in maybe my ability to pray or my ability to even have enough faith, but put just, just to say, Jesus, come. 
Jesus, just do it. I, I thought that story was over 10 years after that moment. I'm now a, a, a pastor. I'm a credential holder. I'm at the, the annual district meetings, Pastor Chris Pendel, district council. I'm at the district meetings, and, and I'm, a, I'm in my late 20s at this point, and a, a missionary comes to speak to one of our services. And in the middle of his message, he says, shortly after the walls of communism fell, all throughout Russia and Siberia, teams from all over the place went in. One team went to Krasnoyark, Siberia. I was like, oh, that's crazy. That's where we went. He said, there's one team that went to a school one day, and they shared the gospel in all of the classrooms. I was like, yeah, a lot of people did that. That's pretty cool. He said, there's one team that when they were done, they prayed for a young lady named Olga, and he holds up a picture of the girl that I had prayed for 10 years before and said, on that day, Olga was not only almost healed, but more importantly, gave her life to Jesus and is now one of the leading missionaries in that region of the country. Listen, listen. When you jump out of the boat, Family Life Church, when you jump out of the boat, you have no idea of the ripple effect of your faith for generations to come. I, I just speak that and I declare that prophetically over this house. As you say yes to the leading of the Lord, as you follow your spiritual authority and your shepherd here, and you jump out of the boat as a church and you embrace a radical year, I pray that it turns into a radical lifestyle for this church. And I pray that stories will come along generations from now of lives that were touched and changed because of corporate decisions you made as a fellowship and as a body, but also individual choices that every one of you made to say, it's my time, I'm jumping out of the boat. You're built to believe differently. You're built to behave differently. You're built to battle differently. Would you stand to your feet with me real quick? I just want to take one moment and pray for you. Then Pastor Chris is going to come, and, and he's going to bless us as we, as we finish the service. Bow your heads with me. You're here in the room right now. Maybe you're watching online. But you say, there's an area in my life where God wants me to jump out of the boat. And I've been holding on. But he wants me to take that faith step today. Maybe for some of you it will be the first time decision to surrender your life to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And to receive forgiveness for your sin that he purchased by sacrificing his body and shedding his blood on a cross at Calvary. And rising from the dead three days later. So for some of you, that's your jumping out of the boat moment. Step number one is to surrender your life to Jesus. But for others of you, you've already made that decision, but you know the Spirit of God has been speaking so directly to you, and you've been asking questions that God has already answered. And today, he's just using me to say, confirmed. It's confirmed, friend. Whatever it is that the Spirit of God has been leading you to do, whatever boat it is that he's been wanting you to jump out of, whatever step of faith it is that you've been wrestling with, the Spirit of God is just simply saying through me today, confirmed, it's time, take that step. If that's you and you say, I received that, Pastor Aaron, I just received that God's doing something new in my life. If you feel comfortable, would you raise both hands to heaven right now as a sign of surrender? This is almost like a moment of walking on water. But if you just say, man, that's just me all across this house, I just invite all of you to do that. If you feel comfortable, would you lift both hands to heaven and let me pray of you right now. God, I confirm in the name of Jesus every step of faith that you have placed in the hearts of people in this house to take. God, I declare that we might not know the plan, we might not have the five-year strategy, we might not even know what the guaranteed outcome is, but God, we're going to be boat jumpers and water walkers today. God, we are stepping out of comfort zones. We are stepping out of places of security. We are stepping out of tradition. We are stepping out of doing it the way we've always done it in the past. And God, we are embracing that you are a water walking God. And God, we're going to chase you out into the unknown. Our faith is not in our skill, our intellect, our talent, our ability. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. And so, God, we declare over our lives individually, and we declare over this house corporately, we're built different, built to believe, and built to behave, and built to battle differently. And so, God, I pray you seal this word in this house now as they conclude this series, Radical Year. I pray, God, that in years to come, we will look back to January of 2022 as a turning point in this church, Lord, as a moment where this church decided to leap out of the boat and take the steps of faith.
that you're putting in the heart of their leaders, Lord. God, bless this house. I pray, God, I speak favor and blessing over Pastor Chris and Jess, over the staff here, over the board here. And God, I pray you do a work that is insurmountable, that's undescribable. I pray you do a work through this house that impacts legacies and generations to come. May it be so in your name, I pray. Amen. 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 Come on, would you give God praise? Would you give God praise? Thank you, Pastor Aaron, for sharing your heart. I, I don't know about you. I, I feel more challenged after hearing it the second time than I did the first time. But God called us to be different, peculiar. And, and that means something for every one of you in this room. And, and I believe, you know, we, we don't always know. I, one of the questions I get more than any other as a pastor is, how do I know when God's talking to me? It's something that comes up inside of you that you just know isn't you. And, and I believe, you know, for a lot of you, as we're in the midst of this, and as Pastor Aaron was preaching, there's something in your life, and you're like, oh, I, I, I feel nudged in this direction about this thing, about this decision, about this direction, and I know I've got to obey. And I just encourage you, jump out of the boat. S start into a radical year that turns into a radical life. I, I love that, Pastor Aaron. Well, we're so grateful for Pastor Aaron and his willingness to come and share with us, but uh, we're so glad because at one point he had to say, okay, God, you're saying to come. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go. And, and every step of the way has been led by faith as he has done that. And, and he came here by faith. And, and I want to believe that we as a, as a family can send him to the next church by faith as well. And so I have asked our ushers if we could set up some offering baskets at the doors on the way out. And if you are able and feel led to do so, I'd love to ask you to just give a little something that would help to go to lead the generation, to send them on to the next city, the next town, uh, to continue to raise up a generation of boat jumpers to continue to raise up a generation of water walkers because that's what this world needs. And so we're just so privileged to be able to partner in that. I want to pray over uh, Pastor Aaron and his family and lead the generation and, uh, and over you as well. But let's just, let's believe in God together to do that for him. Lord, we thank you so much for Pastor Aaron and his family. God, for this, this move that we're going to believe is a global movement, God, for lead the generation. Lord, that you desire to pour out your spirit through the obedience, the simple obedience of one who said, okay, God, if you're saying to come, I'm going to come. And so, God, we're so grateful for the example that that is for us and pray that for each of us in this room, God, that as we have opportunity, we too will step out of boats and walk on water. And Lord, I pray that you will just continue to resource Pastor Aaron and lead the generation as they take new steps, even this year, new scary steps, God, that are big, that are beyond them. God, I pray that you will resource them every step of the way. And God, that you will use us as a sending agency to make sure that this message, the gospel, continues to go forward in the next town, into the next generation into the next generation, God, until you return. And Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness and we give you all the glory. And I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you, that the Lord will lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, Lord bless you. Please feel free to give on your way out. Pastor Aaron will be here if you'd like to connect with him as well. But Lord bless you. Have a wonderful week and love on each other. Jump out of a boat this week. <laughs>